Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. You guys hear me all right? Get some thumbs up. All right. All right. This morning we are in Deuteronomy 2. Deuteronomy 2. How you guys feel about being out of the book of Numbers? I know it was, come on. <laughs> I know, I know it was a it was a struggle for some of us, but hey, we made it through. Uh, I, I hope and pray that we all gain some uh, some good insights into the into the the book of numbers, a new understanding, a new appreciation for it. Even though we're glad we're done, I think we can all appreciate, you know, what God was doing for the children of Israel during that time. But we are now in Deuteronomy. And uh the children of Israel, they've they're preparing to enter in to the promised land. They've, they're at the uh, the end of their 40-year time in the wilderness. Um, and so uh, they're getting ready. And so God is, we're going to, we're going to read about here what, what God is, some instructions he's given them, you know, prior to them entering into the promised land. So um, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, Lord God. I thank you for this day, Father, because it is the day that you have made, Lord. We will rejoice and be glad in it, Father. So thank you, Lord, that we have another opportunity to uh, to, to pause and, and dig into your word, Lord God, and learn more about you and what you want for our lives, Father. Speak to us during this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Deuteronomy 2, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No. Not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. And when we passed beyond our, our brethren, the descendants of Esau who dwell in Seir, away from the road of the plain, away from Elath and Gezian, Ezion Geber, we turned and passed by way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given our to the descendants of Lot as a possession. The Emim had dwelt there in times past, excuse me. As a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim, they were also regarded as giants like the Anakim, but the Moabites called them Emim. The Horites formerly dwelt in Seir, but the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their place, just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave them. Now rise and cross over the valley of Zered, 
So we crossed over the valley of Zered, and the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the valley of Zered was 38 years, until all the generation of the men of war had consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them, to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So it was, when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people, that the Lord spoke to me, saying, This day you are to cross over at Ar, the boundary of Moab. And when you come near the people of Ammon, you do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the, to the descendants of Lot as a possession. That was also regarded as the land of giants. Giants formerly dwelt there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzamin, a people as great and numerous and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them as they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir. When he destroyed the Horites from before them, they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place even to this day. And the Avon, who dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from the Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. Rise, take your journey and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hands Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven, who shall hear of the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. Verse 26. And I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road, and I will turn neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as the, as the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir and the Moabites who dwelt in Ar did for me, until I cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord our God is giving us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through, for the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand, as it is this day. And the Lord said to me, see, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to possess it that you may inherit his land. Then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons and all his people. We took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city. We left none remaining. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. From Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and from the city that is in the ravine as far as Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok, or to the cities of, or of the mountains, wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have a lot going on right here. So, like I said before, Israel is about to, is they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And God's giving them all these instructions, what you, what you will do and what you will not do. In verse four, he says, uh, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau. Now, we know that the, that the descendants of Esau were, were like distant relatives um, to Israel. 400 years prior in the book of Genesis, you know, we read about Esau and Jacob. Um, I mean, God didn't want Israel um, to take the land he had given to Esau and his descendants. And his, his descendants are the Edomites. 
and, and perhaps the most famous Edomite, even in the New Testament, um, was Herod the Great. Herod the Great, you know, we know, you know, from the Jesus story, you know, and, and he's the one that when he found out that the, the the king of the Jews was being born after the wise men had come to him. And we're like, where is this 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 king of the Jews? You know, he's the one that, that ordered all the babies under two to be killed. And he was hated by the Jews because he was an Edomite, right? So it's interesting to see how here in Deuteronomy, God is like, don't touch them. They're my people. You know, I gave them this land, you know, don't even try to take it from them. Right. And then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, you know, there's the, the rift between the Jews and the Edomites had had increased even so much more, you know, and so the Jews hated, you know, Herod the Great, but he wanted to be received and respected as a Jew, but he would never be respected because we know that, you know, when we read history, that Herod the Great was really a pawn for the Romans. But God says at this point, do not meddle with them for I will not give you any of their land. It, this is, listen, Israel wasn't just some conquering army out to get whatever land it could take. And Israel was probably strong enough to simply take the land of Edom. But Israel was only going to receive the land that God had promised them. You know, and we remember, how, it's amazing how, what the differences that, you know, and changes that can happen over the course of 400 years. Right, because the last time we read about Esau meeting Jacob, you know, and we know we're reading right here, the Edomites were descendants of Esau, the Israelites were descendants of Jacob, and you remember in the Book of Genesis when when Jacob, you know, and at that point it's just him and his family, him and his twelve sons, and you know, there are not millions of people, you know, Jacob's at, at that point. Jacob was like his twelve sons, his wives, his servants. That's it. Maybe like two dozen people, three dozen people, you know, all around. And, you know, you know, his family. And at that member, and if you remember when he found out that Esau was going to meet him with his family, Jacob was afraid. Jacob was fearful. Right. But it's amazing how, how the things have shifted. Now we have two nations, not just two families. And now the nation that was afraid in the book of Genesis is now a bigger, stronger, you know, militarily more, more capable nation, right? And they could have easily gone into Edom and just taken it over. But God said, no, you're only going to get what I give you. You were only going to conquer what I tell you to conquer because Esau is also a son of Isaac, a son of Abraham, you know? And so, so I've promised him this lamb. But he said, you shall buy food, right? So you could eat and you can buy water from them. God commanded Israel to treat the Edomites with respect. Again, they could have easily conquered them, destroyed them. But he said, treat them with respect. Even though, they, again, they could have dominated as a stronger nation. And, and it's you think about it, how we treat people, those who are weaker than ourselves, it's always a good measure of character, right? It's a good measure of our character. When, when we have the capability to dominate or, or abuse others and we don't, it shows that we have good character, 
And for some of these reasons, God commanded Israel to treat the weaker nation of Edom well. You know, and imagine, imagine if Israel had been disobedient, right? Now, we don't know what would have happened, but, you know, I like to, you know, play what if games every once in a while. And what if Israel was like, you know what, God, we hear you. We hear you. But this this is an easy win. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we defeat this people. It kind of boosts our morale, you know, gets our confidence up. You know, what if God was like, you know what? I think I think y'all need 40 more years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't know. But they were obedient. They listened to Moses as he was receiving the commands from God. And it says they passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. The Moabites were also distant relatives of Israel. They were descended from Lot. And Lot was the nephew of Abraham. So the Moabites and the Israelites are like distant cousins. All right. Now, try to keep track because there's there's so many different nations that Israel and they all sound the same. Right. There's, you know, just last week I was talking about the Midianites. Right. And I'd be lying to you when I said when I was first reading this, I was like, didn't they just didn't didn't Israel just destroy them last week? You know, like and I had to go back. I'm like, no, nah, that was Midianites. We're talking about Moabites, okay? So in a little bit, we're going to be talking about Amorites and Ammonites, you know? So that's, so try to try to keep track. Now, so as with Edom, God didn't want Israel to harass Moab nor contend with them in battle. As verse 9 says, their land was not the land that God intended to give Israel, right? And what's also interesting here is... Probably the most famous Moabite we read about in the Bible was Ruth. You know, Ruth was a Moabite woman. And here in, in, um, in a few books, once we get through a few more books, we're going to get to the, the book of Ruth. And we're going to read about her. And she was a Moabite woman who, who married an Israelite named, man named Boaz. Right. And um, it's an amazing story, you know, and we will get into that at some point. But, but Ruth became the grandmother of King David. And then in turn, Ruth was the one of the ancestors of Jesus. So let's, let's, let's try to wrap our minds around this. God says, don't mess with the Moabites, right? Why? Because God has a plan. God always has a plan, right? God knew that through this people, they were going to play a part in the in him eventually sending his son, Jesus Christ, to come, be born, and die for the entire world. This tells me, brothers and sisters, no matter how small and insignificant you may feel, you may think about yourself, God always has a bigger plan. There's always a promise that God is going to keep. And even if you don't see the fruition of that promise, even if you don't see the seeds that you've been sowing, if you don't see them come to bloom, you don't see them grow and whoever or whatever you're sowing into, God has a plan. When he said, don't mess with Moab, right? Again, Israel could have been like, but listen, they're a small nation. 
That's easy pickings. Let's just knock it. Let's just, let's just, let's just take care of it. You know what I'm saying? But God said, don't mess with them because I have a plan. And what you don't realize is that my plan is always greater than your plan. And my plan, when it comes to when it comes to pass, will eventually come to save you, Israel, even more. Even when you're going to continue to reject me, I am making a plan to save all of mankind through you and through this nation of Moab, right? So it's time for us, brothers and sisters, just to stop. Stop trying to think that we can help God. Stop trying to think that God needs us to step in and do anything, all right? Because God is God. And God was God before any of us were around to even call him God. I think he knows what he's doing. So as the children of Israel were instructed, it's time for us to step back and let him do what he's going to do. He talks about in verse 10, the Emem had dwelt there in times past. The, the Moabites were of note because they, they had defeated this, this, this Canaanite people known as the Emem who were large and they were fearsome, right? And, talks about, and, the, and the word giants is used here. And the giants here is actually the Hebrew word for um, refame. The term refame is often translated giants, but is actually more closely to the fearsome ones. Okay. So <clears throat> we have to be careful sometimes when we're reading the Bible that, um, you know, different certain translations and everything. And, and, and listen, not all of us are called to be Bible scholars. Not all of us are called to study the Bible um, and, and really dig into what's the original meaning, the root words, and all this stuff, right? But some of us love that kind of stuff. I am some of us that loves digging in and trying to figure, you know, what were the, what was the original meaning? What the, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> how has has um have, have biblical translators over the past, you know, three, four thousand years, how has how has the word changed? And it really hasn't changed that much. But, you know, when we use the word giants here, <clears throat> it's again, it's really more, excuse me. <clears throat> I think I, I got whatever pop has. So I'm, I'm kind of like <clears throat> I'm doing this a little bit. Um, um, it's more translated into, into the fearsome ones. The Rafaim were, were, were a group of large warlike people who lived in Canaan before Israel had come in. Um in the area east of the Jordan River, they were known by many, many names. You know, different people call them different things, right? Moving on to verse 14, it talks about 38 years, right? And in and, and these brief verses, you know, that Moses is covering 38 years of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. You know, and this was a period, this, 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 this time in the wilderness really was just a, uh, a period that just, that just took up time. They were just killing time, Right waiting for the generation of, of unbelief to die so that the generation of faith could take the promised land. A generation of waiting, a time of just, of just, just kind of hanging out, taking up time. Can you imagine, can you imagine waiting 40 years, 38 to 40 years to get, to gain this promise? And it's right there, right? It's really, it's right in that direction. You can see the promised land. You can see the promises of God, but God is telling you to wait. And he's telling you to wait for something that you had no part of, right? It was, it was my daddy's generation, my mommy's generation. They were the ones of unbelief. 
You know what I'm saying? Now I'm stuck in the wilderness eating manna and quail and, you know, and, and, and like just doing nothing, doing nothing, right? But doing nothing by their own viewpoint. They saw as doing nothing because all of our wilderness experiences, brothers and sisters, is a time of training. All of our wilderness experiences are, are preparing us for the next step, the next step, and the next step. And let me tell you, just because you get through a wilderness season in your life doesn't mean that's going to be the last wilderness season in your life. There may be times when you're going to step into another wilderness season. You're going to step into another time of waiting, right? But we have to look back and say, but you know what? God's brought me this far and he's going to continue to bring me. I just have to be obedient. The only thing God asked Israel to do was to be obedient. Do what I say. Wait, wait, wait. Verse 19 says, I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon. As with the Edomites and the Moabites, the land of of the Ammonites was also not for the children of Israel. Right? Another people that they easily could have said, you know, that's... Those are that's easy pickings. God, come on, we got this. We got this. And he said, No, no, nah, don't touch them. You know, don't touch them. They're mine. I put them there for a reason. I gave them this land for a reason. Right. And ultimately, and think about it like this ultimately, everything is God's. Right. So God is saying, Listen, all this land is mine, but I'm giving that portion to the Moabites, that portion to the Edomites, that portion to the Ammonites. It don't belong to you. Ultimately, it belongs to me. So chill. And Israel was obedient. Moving on to verse 30. Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. Right? So we read about him saying, hey, you know, he sent Moses sent emissaries to go talk to this king. Like, hey, let, let us just pass through your land. Right, the Edomites and the Moabites, they, they let us just pass through the land. We didn't touch nothing, we didn't kill nothing, you know, we behaved ourselves. Let us just pass through. And the king of Heshbon refused. And because of this refusal, Israel ends up fighting a battle that is recorded in the book of Numbers 21. Right? They simply ask for safe passage through the land of the Amorites, but they were refused. The Lord God hardened his spirit, the king, and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your, your hand. God worked behind the scenes in hardening the heart uh, of the king of Sihon, who was the king of the Amorites. And it was right for God to do this because the creator has the right to do, do whatever he pleases with his creation. The creator has the right to do whatever he wants with his creation. But it was also right because of of the way that God did it. God, listen, when we read about things and it says, you know, God hardened his heart, God hardened their heart. God did not persuade a reluctant Sihon to act out against Israel. Okay. It wasn't like Sihon was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Should I do it? And God said, You're going to refuse them. Don't let them come through. No, God simply let Sihon's heart take the evil way that it wanted to go, the way that it wanted to take. Sihon already made made his idea, made his, uh, excuse me, made his mind up about what he was going to do with Israel. 
God did not change his heart from good to bad. But he allowed God, his heart to go in the way that it was he was already naturally going to go. He was going to say no. So God was like, okay, that's fine. Fine. Say no. Okay. So let's, let's be careful when we read certain things in the Bible. You know, we read about it in the book of Exodus when he's like, you know, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. You know, God didn't convince Pharaoh of anything. God just allowed Pharaoh to go the way that he was maintained to go. Because God could have stopped it, right? God could have said, no, no, listen, you know, because the Bible says God softened his heart, could have softened different people's hearts, you know, but he just allowed, you know, the, uh, the, the king of the Amorites, just as he allowed Pharaoh, them to go the way they were already going to go, that he might deliver him into your hand. This explains why God hardened the, 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 the heart of Sihon. God led Sihon into the, 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 the destructive course that his heart had already desired to go so that the land of the Amorites would become the possession and the inheritance of Israel. God has a plan, guys, and God doesn't always do the same thing for every situation. God will always make a way where there seems to be no way, you know? Israel just asked, can we go through the land? We're not, we're not trying, we're, we're trying to go peacefully, you know? You know, it even said in the word, you know, hey, we're we're willing to spend money here. We can get some food, you know, and we get we get get some water, and you know, peace, peace. And the guy said no. So then God said, I, you're going to refuse my people. Okay, watch out. This is what's going to happen. It says in verse 34 that that they utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city. We left none remaining. A tough verse. Just as we covered last week in Numbers 31, a very tough verse, um, when it especially talks about killing the women and the children. But like we talked about last week, there's a reason for that, okay? Because the Amorites were a wicked nation, and they refused the children of Israel. They refused God's people, right? And even if, and we know that if even if they they just destroyed, you know, the men that eventually the children would rise up and come against them. And God was like, destroy everybody. The war against the Amorites was one of the, one of the unique wars of, of, of judgment that God told Israel to fight. Israel was not just to defeat the Amorites in the field of battle, but to bring judgment against their whole society. Okay. We can't look at, um, the wars and all the things that happened in the Bible that the children of Israel did to other nations as, as uh, just, you know, something they just did. No, God was using Israel as a tool to met out judgment to wicked nations, judgment to nations who had turned their back on God, right? They were involved with all kinds of different things, Right. Here in a few weeks, when when we when we we uh, dig into the book of Joshua, and they're going into the into, into the promised land, and they're going against Jericho, right? There's so many more things to even that story than just the high walls of Jericho that the children of Israel were were sent to destroy, right? What were these nations doing? A lot of them were doing 
evil practices, human sacrifices, child sacrifices, right, to their various gods. And so God was like, no, there's no, we're not doing this anymore. You know, I'm sending my people to handle my judgment over these wicked nations. And we'll get, we'll get more, way more into that as, as we continue to progress through this beginning portions of the Old Testament. But for verse 38, there was not one city too strong for us. Not one city too strong for us. See, 38 years before, Israel refused to go into the promised land because they felt that they were uh, overmatched militarily. You know, remember when, when Moses sent the spies and they came back and the 10 spies says, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. And just the two, Caleb and Joshua said, but we can, let's go, come on, let's go, let's go to war, you know? And the 10 convinced the entire people that they could not do. But here now, decades later, they're going to begin to enter the, the promised land by faith. God showed them how it could have been 38 years before. By them taking on the Amorites. And how easy it was for Israel to do so, right? And even dealing with the Moabites and the Edomites and the, the Ammonites. God is showing like, hey, I'm in control. I got your back. If your fathers and the generation before had just trusted in me, trusted in me, you could have conquered all this land a long time ago. And look how easy it's been because I'm going before you. If they had only believed in him, they could have been through it. When it says uh, the city was too strong for us, is actually there was not one city too high for us is actually a better, better uh, a translation of the original, original uh, words. The see because the high walls of the cities had 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 intimidated Israel thirty eight years before, but now they're not too strong for us. Now we got this. We have this. It's amazing how how our minds can shift when we are in right relationship with God. It's amazing how our viewpoint changes when we are obedient to the commands of the Lord. Israel here was being obedient. So now they're walking in faith and these high walls, these giants, these intimidating nations that 38 years prior they were scared of. Now, those nations, those people, those high walls were nothing to them because they were looking to God. Those nations, those high walls were nothing before the Lord. My brothers and sisters, whatever you're facing today, whatever nations, whatever high walls, whatever giants are that are in your life that are right before you, whatever situation, circumstances you're struggling with, whatever pain, whatever heartache. And my brothers, and I know there are people on this call that are going through some stuff right now. Some things are devastating 
you know, horrible things, pain and hurts, losses of loved one. And I'm so sorry. And we're praying for you and we're interceding with you and we're walking with you. Guys, there are there are untold numbers of, of, our, of our fusionite army. Okay. We ain't, we're not, not just a family. We are, we, are, we are battle buddies and we are fighting alongside you. And with that, you know, it's not just us giving you encouragement. It's not just us saying the words, praying for you. We love you. We got your back. You know, and you can have the assurance, as surely as the words are coming out of my mouth, that the Lord goes before you. The Lord is making a way for you. His ultimate comforter, the Holy Spirit, is with you wherever you are at. He is enveloping his, his, his arms around you. Giving you peace, giving you comfort. The children of Israel, I'm sure they were still afraid. I'm sure there were times when they were looking at these people that part of them is still afraid. And it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. It really is. But it's what do you do with that fear? Are you going to allow it to control you? Or are you going to allow the Lord to work in spite of your fear, in spite of your pain, in spite of your heartache. And we know Israel eventually conquered the promised land. It still took them some time, but they were obedient and they allowed the Lord to work before them. Continue to be obedient, brothers and sisters. Allow the Lord to work. Allow the Lord to move before you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing. We thank you for the promises that are in your word, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what trial or tribulation we are facing, Lord, you are before us, Lord God. You are walking before us, Lord God. Your word says it, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. So, Lord, you are walking us through, Lord God. Just as you guided the children of Israel to go through the promised land, you guided the children of Israel to walk through all the nations they had to conquer, Lord God. You will walk before us to conquer everything that we are facing. So, Lord, we thank you. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters who are on this call or who are listening later on the podcast, Lord God, that you would just be with them. You will bless them. You will comfort them, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing. In your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Woo. We're done numbers. We're into Deuteronomy. And the story just gets better and better. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. I'll see you all next week. God bless.